0: Live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. It's Friday,
1: Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. And Friday, Friday, get in town on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Partyin', partyin'. Yeah!
0: Friday, 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 Friday. John Von Tobel's here at Schofield. Angel's helping out. Here is TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Free parking. Come on in. We got a bunch of free tickets for the UNLV game, the men's game against Fresno tonight. It's happy hour going down right now. 55 plus TVs at the Golden Circle. Oh, yeah. Big good crowd here later on. Big weekend. Pro Bowl games are in Vegas. They have begun culminating with uh, more action on Sunday, but stuff going on today and tomorrow as well. And I feel like it's the beginning of Super Bowl week, basically this weekend. So, game's coming up on the 12th, scintillating, super, fantastic Sunday. So, what's up, John?
2: <laughs> Nothing. Hanging out. I
0: refuse to be distracted. We're going to get to Kyrie Irving here <laughs> in just a second, but my Lord, you know I'm kind of a Nets fan going back to the New Jersey days and uh, haven't really enjoyed this mix of players as they try to build a super team but that's coming up in about five minutes we actually have a little football news on the college front oh yeah as these teams start to shift conferences to the power five you know I just saw the other day there's some kind of Q&A BYU football someone who covers BYU football Talking about the move to the Big 12, which every time I see it, it's still a bit jarring. It seems weird to me. Mm. And I also think to myself, boy, I need to call the uh, people I know that cover the Big 12 and say, get ready for what's coming. Because BYU is real interesting to cover. Real interesting. There's generally a lot of drama, a lot of complaining. The West Coast Conference felt that, and we certainly felt that when they were in the Mountain West Conference. So the biggest moves couple of years from now, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Are they going to be able to make the shift with the uh, Big 12 to get Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC sooner than later?
2: Doesn't seem like it. Because, and this was reported earlier today, uh, that they have been meeting behind the scenes because what they're trying to figure out is, of course, money. Uh, the problem is ESPN and Fox, of course, are involved because there are two networks that are involved with the Big 12. But Fox is going to lose what would be the equivalent of seven football games in Oklahoma and Texas moving on early, and they can't figure out how to create equitable value for what Fox would lose in 2024 if they were to flip over early. So at this point right now, the Big 12 meetings are coming up, and that has acted as their faux deadline. So they're going to you know, put talks aside. It's not a hard deadline at all, so there's something, as Thamel, you know, puts in his report, eh, something could happen maybe in the weeks that follow, but for right now, it does look like the uh, the Big 12 is going to have Oklahoma and Texas for the next two seasons, which would mean it's a, a 14-team Big 12 for the next two years. You mad? Not really. You understand just, You understand it? Right, you understand it. I mean, Fox. if you're Fox's perspective, you're like, yeah, why, why would we allow this to happen? Yeah. We're losing out on seven games. Like, screw that. Yeah. that. That's advertising. That's money that we're losing on because you want to leave early? Unless you're going to make that up for us in some way or fashion, why would we ever budge on this?
0: Yeah. And if you're the Big 12 schools, you're not moving. You're not moving on this like that's a lot of money. You want to leave? You leave when contractually you can. Sorry, we're not being nice and letting you out. You screwed us.
2: Well, and no offense to the programs I'll name, but like you're not Kansas State or Kansas, right? More eyes are on your games. You are advertising. So like that's that's going to be a problem because more people are going to watch those games like that's a very it's not even just the amount of losing games. It's the eyes that will be on those games as well. They're They're valuable games.
0: Well, I'm sure a lot of uh, Oklahoma supporters, Oklahoma alums, are a little bit irked. they got to stay around with the uh, less-than-stellar Big 12, which is a shot that's not fair. It, they had a very good year this last year. It's a very balanced conference. Mm-hmm. Most of the schools in that conference do a pretty good job in terms of budgeting and efforting football. But uh, I can see Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma fans being stung a bit. Uh, speaking of alums, uh, knockout artist Joe Mixon, You saw the story come down yesterday, right?
2: I didn't. I had missed this.
0: Yeah, around 5 o'clock yesterday, the story comes out, arrest warrant in place for Bengals running back Joe Mixon. The term was he's wanted for aggravated menacing, which I actually was not aware of. It kind of just sounds like Hmm. assault or battery, Um, really assault. Then the news updates to he pointed a gun at a woman and threatened her. And then today, the menacing charge has been dropped. But when you read the story, it's been dismissed. But I think that's for now. Because the statement from the prosecutor in Hamilton County in Ohio, we need additional investigation before we would move forward with this case. So they don't have it all together yet. To potentially make it stick, but that doesn't mean Joe Mixon right. isn't in trouble, is out of the woods. And you know, as I mentioned, and it's not funny, you know, when I call him a K.O.R.ist, he's the guy who, when he was back at Oklahoma, punched a woman in the face at a, a restaurant, knocked her out. Uh, he claimed that, one, there was a guy with her who was talking crap, and they both went back and forth, and then she slapped him, and he said it was so hard. He just responded because he, he thought it was a guy. Knocked her out. You remember initially Oklahoma wasn't going to really do very much. Mm-hmm. Bob Stoops was standing by him, and there was so much pressure at the time that he wound up sitting out. And then it was you know kind of controversial when he got drafted by the Bengals, who have you know, had kind of a um, – well, I don't know, go to the NBA. Remember the, the jailblazers who were always in trouble. The Bengals had that reputation for a while. So they rolled the dice on Mixon, as far as we know, out front – He's been okay. He's certainly been productive on the field, but maybe some real trouble here if they get enough to stick.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, and so I feel like there's maybe a couple things. One, I think we should also add, I think he alleged also that she used a racial slur, right, in the uh, in the moment. So there's that to add to you you know, talking about the, the story. The punch or the, the punch, most recent the one? The punch, yeah, yeah the, back in the day. Um, but to your point, like, so he's been, we won't call him an upstanding citizen because you don't know what he's done, but he's been quiet in terms of, misbehaving in his time in the national football league this is though a troubling track record right two incidents like this even if they are far between it's not something you'd like to see and also for a team that as you said is kind of clean up the reputation and has kind of started to move up right they have a franchise quarterback they're a more popular team given the on-field success this cannot be something that you enjoy seeing even if he comes out of this with nothing
0: not good for the Bengals.
2: not good so i wonder what
0: they'll do in the draft Right? A little insurance just in case?
2: Well, I mean, you could also, if you want to go football, like if you want to go purely football, this might not be worth it. He's, if you look at the metrics, one of the worst running backs when it comes to using the blocking that he gets. Right? Like, you could very much make the argument the Bengals would move on from Joe Mixon and be perfectly fine.
0: So they just, or he just made it easy. A little easier for him to consider that. Of
2: course, at a position that's kind of a dime a dozen. Right? Where you could just find late-round guys plug into your system and be perfectly fine. And especially in that offense... With those skill positions and those weapons at wide receiver?
0: I was looking up his deal to see how quickly or how easily they can get out of it. He's actually signed through 24. Next couple years, cap hit, 12 and 13 million. So they'd have to take a hit, but Mm is he worth the trouble? Who knows? Maybe this is all trumped up. Maybe this is not exactly what happened. So we'll wait. We know the NFL will because don't forget Alvin Kamara – had an incident on the Strip last year at the Pro Bowl. About this week, about this time of year, where uh, he's alleged with a bunch of his friends to have beaten down some dude over at the Cromwell near the elevator. So, and there still has not been a penalty. There hasn't been a resolution in the justice system. Still has not been a penalty from the NFL. You want so, to wait for everything to play out. So the Bengals may not get the answer as quickly as they need. Like imagine if they keep around and then something comes down middle of next season. Mm-hmm. Oh.
2: I mean, look. I mean, this was a story too that I had missed. So they're probably also hoping, like, yeah, you know, Justice Department, let's, right. you know, get this dragged out, and then soon enough, everybody will forget. Uh, so we'll maybe away. maybe
0: someone can recant statements. Yeah, that's happened recently. Although it didn't save Chris Beard, did it? No, because his lady recanted shortly after the story, and then they took about two, three more weeks more investigating, and Gonzo, yeah. Chris Beard, unemployed. Well, also unemployed. Although I guess technically he works for the NFL. I guess he's still with the Raiders because. The, uh, the season really doesn't end. The calendar year doesn't end until March. Derek Carr. So, Carr got a big pop yesterday. They were down for the skills competition at the Raiders facility, and he did really well in the uh, passing accuracy category. Uh, he gets on mic with Ryan Clark, and what did he say? Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. Uh... That's probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I saw a lot of reaction to that bite with Derek Carr just torched the Raiders.
2: I saw that.
0: I, like, I don't – I mean, I, we have a bite later where I think he torched the Raiders in his style. Right. Kind of sneaking it in, but he knows what he's doing. That was torching the Raiders. Wasn't he torching himself?
2: Oh, yes. Also, I saw a lot of uh, better watch out. Like, that's the, you know, the equivalent of, like, the angry LeBron face. You remember when he was in the heat? It was at the Eastern Conference Finals. He was looking up all angry. Right. Like, that's the equivalent. Like, he's going to light the world on fire next year. Like, I don't think that really means that. Yeah, sure he will. Solid joke. He could be very
0: good somewhere else. Yeah. He could also be on the downside. He could also go to a market where the team isn't as good as he thinks. He could also go to a market where life around the football field isn't as easy as he had it here. Yep. So – Glad to see him do well. I mean, we know he's, he's obviously got high-level skills.
2: I mean, I've been on record before saying, like, if you're the team that thought they were a quarterback away, Carr could and still could be, like, the guy to go grab. I, I think there's a specific team out there that just got a new head coach that would be pretty attractive for Derek Carr in the big picture.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've pointed out that Derek Carr has been a little bit of a pain and kind of sneaky away from the team with some of his actions and the actions of his agents. But as far as drama – Nothing close to what we see in the net situation with Kyrie Irving. Are you blanking me on this one? We've gotten to this point in the season. It seems to be kind of working. They bounce back from a terrible start. They haven't been great lately. Kyrie Irving has now requested a trade. What hang in at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. You know, you forget with everything that's going on with the NFL, with the Super Bowl on the way, and we got the Pro uh, Pro Bowl games here in Vegas. By the way, XFL's right around the corner. That starts up February 18th. We're going to talk to the, the uh, one of the bosses of the entire league, Mark Ross, who we've had on as an analyst from NFL Network. Before that, he worked with the New York Giants, so he's going to be up in just a little bit. So we got all this football going on. The All-Star break, the game, all the festivities for the NBA is coming up. There are big deadlines coming up. And then you turn on the old uh, Twitter machine. You hit the wire, the web, and Kyrie Irving, again, wants to be traded. Because you remember before the season, during the, the, uh, the offseason, he wanted to sign and trade and then to be moved, and then he had to decide what he was going to do with his contract, opt in, opt out. So what's going on now?
2: Uh, this is fascinating. So Kyrie Irving has demanded uh, that he wants to be traded. Apparently, Shams, Ron, reporting that the Nets have offered him a contract. They were working on a contract extension behind the scenes. But much like in the offseason, it was a contract that was loaded with incentives because it's Kyrie Irving. You cannot trust him to be on the court, and it's not because of injury, right? It's because Kyrie is Kyrie. And so there was a lot of incentives, it seems, when you read some of the reports, and that he didn't like that. And so he said, you know what? How about you just trade me instead? So he has demanded his trade from the Brooklyn Nets. There are obviously teams that are reaching out. I would think that his value is pretty low at this point, given you have no idea if he's going to be a part of your team or not. It doesn't matter what this is. By the way, for anybody who's out there is like, oh, you know, it's going to be the Lakers, of course we will play. No, because that's what you thought when it was Kevin Durant and the guy that he wanted to play with and the franchise that gave him everything he wanted up until about a year ago.
0: 99.9% of the time I'm on the side of the players. Oh, yeah. And I always want, you know, power to the people, push back, right? Threaten them. Lamar Jackson, sit out. Sit out, bro. Sit out, Force their hand. If you don't want to be there, force their hand. But I told you, before the season, with the Nets, there was no reason to trade Kevin Durant. He flip-flops all the time. They stood their ground. They talked. They worked it out.
2: And Now, now he's more
0: rational than – I mean, he's up and down. To, he Very much up and down. He's rational.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kyrie's a different guy. But to your point, like, you ain't getting anything back. Of great value for Kyrie Irving because he is a week to week proposition. He can pull this whenever.
2: So the trade, like the trade that was thrown out there by Bobby Marks, front office insider for ESPN, if we were just talking the Lakers, it was Russell Westbrook, Lonnie Walker and a first round pick. Like that's what you're getting back. Hey, let me
0: think about that for a second. No,
2: right? No, no. But here's the th- here's the problem. If you're Brooklyn, though, then he walks at the end of the year and you get nothing. So would you rather? I, how
0: how how um. How long is Westbrook under contract?
2: I think it's one year. I think he's got one year left. I'll double-check on that, but I think he's expiring.
0: Lonnie Walker and a one, what, 2042?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is last it's year. not
0: 2042 for the one, but when's the one?
2: Oh, it's like 2027. 2000. Okay. That's actually that's, – that's the thing. I mean, that could be a potentially valuable pick. We're talking about four years from now. Who knows what state the Lakers are in four years from now? All right. Touche. Right? So yeah. it depends on protections and whatever it is well, on what that first round pickle.
0: Past was. Laker trades have offered no protections to the Lakers. Yeah. They completely blew that with the Pelicans.
2: So, like, it's an interesting deal nonetheless. But, but again, it speaks to the point of, like, you're not really in a great spot. Like, the other trades that have been thrown out there that logically make sense, it was, like, Kyle Lowry, um, like, Max Struess and Caleb Williams, I think, for the Miami Heat. Like, there's really not that much out there. For the Brooklyn Nets, well, no
0: one in their right mind would trade for him unless they're an old, decrepit, desperate team, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll roll the dice." Mm-hmm. But anyone else trading assets for a guy who, I who mean, else? every day you come in, you're like, "Okay, what is he okay today? How do we have to talk to him?"
2: When and you alluded to it, the season was kind of going well, mm-hmm. right? Like Kevin Durant gotten hurt, but he was going to come back. He was when he got hurt was in the middle of an MVP caliber season. Kevin Durant's been incredible on the court. And I'm like, what? I think this is fascinating for multiple reasons, right? One, it's like obviously the psyche of whatever Kyrie Irving is and, and wants to be as a basketball player and as a person. The other part of this is, Steve, Is this is this a sign that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are kind of going their separate ways? Or does Kevin Durant now go, you know what, I'm out too. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Or here's the other part. If you're Brooklyn, why don't you just sit back and go, you know what, Kyrie Irving's value is at an all-time, not an all-time low probably, but at a low right now, right? But you know whose value is higher than it was in the offseason? It's Kevin Durant. So if you're the Brooklyn Nets, I think this is a really interesting next few days because the trade deadline's a week from now or yesterday. You could you can realistically look at this and go, why don't we just blow it up? Just what, you're right. Just wash your hands of it. Pontius pilot that thing. Wash your hands of it. And think about what you could get back. Like Memphis, for example. Like O.G. Ananobi had allegedly been courting the Toronto Raptors. People had called to offer up three first-round picks for O.G. Ananobi. What are you getting for Kevin Durant? Why not just press the button and blow it all up now? I, I'm fascinated by what happens I, over the next week.
0: I could actually deal with that. And you, uh, you swayed me a little bit on Kyrie and the Lakers just because the Lakers are going to blow in all likelihood, you know, three, four years from now. Yeah. And if they will trade you an unprotected pick, because that's what the value is, I might think about it. You brought up a good point, though. At least in our show prep. And just now. <laughs> why did Kevin Durant do this? Why did he do? Why did he do any of this? Why did he look at this guy and go, that's the guy I want to be with? I'm going to leave the Warriors. Now, we know part of it is, Dr. Dre, Draymond Green's a pain in the ass. Right. There's a weird vibe there. But why of all the places he could have gone, why Kyrie Irving?
2: So I think there's the obvious thing, which is Kyrie is kind of a quirky dude, and Kevin Durant kind of, you know, walks to his own, the beat of his own drum, and maybe whatever Kyrie Irving has become attracted Kevin Durant because they're friends, right? Like there's probably that's the probably the most obvious explanation. What is it, Occam's razor? Uh, The most obvious explanation is probably the one. Let me offer you my conspiracy theory. Kevin Durant wanted to make his name, right? He wanted to go and have his own title team, and that's why he did it. Could it be possible that Kevin Durant did this, kind of like setting the video game on the hardest mode? He just wanted a challenge, and he knew Kyrie is so weird. This is going to be so hard to keep him in line. Can you imagine the praise I would get if I won a title while also having to deal with Kyrie Irving?
0: Seems to be backward thinking a little bit. <laughs> like, How about like, just win more titles with the group that is pretty solid from a chemistry standpoint?
2: Like he weighted himself down. Can I also mention? I saw I saw a whole bunch of people. It is it is incredible. Like the fans that Kyrie Irving has, I saw a whole bunch of people going down the path of yeah, KD's hurt, and this team stinks. What what would you expect from Kyrie? He he signed up to play with KD and, and James Harden. Harden left because he didn't like Kyrie Irving. God, Harden demanded a trade because he's like, this guy stinks. Not on the court, off the court. He's driving me insane with his lack of availability. Like, everything we've seen from Brooklyn, like, I hate to say it, it stems from one dude, and it's Kyrie Irving. It's amazing. we got
0: basketball in town tonight. We've got tickets here. We've got some free tickets if you uh, have a chance to stop by. Free parking at TI inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It's an 8 o'clock start tonight. Very cool festivities, including... They're giving away free tuition to one of the students. They use that T-shirt cannon and fire T-shirts into the crowd. You unwrap it, uh, yay, tuition. It was really cool last year. And President Whitfield will be on the cannon. They're giving away 500 free T-shirts. Uh, Rebel Fest is out front. There's also concession, uh, concession specials. Fresno State in town. It's a revenge spot for UNLV. It's an 8 o'clock tip at the Thomas & Mac tonight. So uh, get over there, grab your tickets, or grab them right now at UNLVtickets.com in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure
2: Island. It's Cofield and Company. Stick
0: around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way.
2: Gilbert Bob to Milwaukee. Man, that looked like offensive goal's And Milwaukee threw it down when it looked like it was in the cylinder. Hall gonna fire a three and it's good. It's, it's laughable a little bit now, isn't it? It just, again, this is a team playing with as much confidence as you'll see in the league, and ooh, it's starting to tear us apart now.
0: Rolling on on a Friday. That was, if you watch the uh, mountain feed, video feed of UNLV and CSU on Tuesday, that was the uh, play-by-play and color voice from Colorado State. Adam Nagon was the second voice you heard. He's a former player. Brian Roth is the play-by-play guy, and I. the reason that the vast sound crew pulled that was i had heard a couple things about the broadcast and it's been multiple times this year where you see in this case rebel fans complaining about the broadcast they get so i'll explain again the mountain west doesn't really have a budget so they're just going to use the local broadcasters mm-hmm. like, we've got a special setup here where we've got a second broadcast team at times not all the time but with Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network, there's a TV broadcast team. But most of the feeds are going to be the hometown guys, so you're going to get a hometown call. Now, what they do during the game, I think, can be up for debate. Like, Nigon was very big on us. He said us at the end there, we, 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 we. Um, they were very heavy on criticizing the officiating. Uh, that's why you heard the alley-oop, which was an unbelievable slam by mwaka was called goaltending by these guys. And listen. This happens on lots of the broadcasts, So you got to you know what you're know what you watching going in. Mm-hmm. So I suppose people can get upset, but it, it didn't upset me watching it because I know what it is. Because people complained about the Utah State feed up there when Utah State played pretty well offensively. Rebels fought back into the game. And then at the end of the game, you remember Keyshawn Hall got called for a late charge. And the uh, the color voice on that one was like, good call. <laughs> that's all right call it's kind of a 50 50 right but you can't get all worked up
2: of course not now i'm really glad i watched that on mute because i had that on the secondary show. i heard that a lot yeah i heard that a lot well c- to be honest with you you know what you know what doesn't you know what drives me crazy about these broadcasts it's not as somebody who's kind of neutral um it's not the play-by-play and color analyst themselves like in terms of the way they call it it is the actual quality of the audio sometimes that kills me right and also, my main job is writing about the NBA, so I usually use the NBA yeah. game on the main screen. I,
0: I thought this one was pretty good. Um, but you get a lot of complaining about the officiating. This week, we had a weird one. Um, one of the big writers in the Mountain West Conference, uh, Mark Ziegler, whose buddies with Grainy, he was at that game between Nevada and San Diego State. Well, the, the fans rushed the floor. So then there was all this chatter during the week from San Diego State fans. Like, we've been there. We don't do that. Why are you rushing the floor? Hmm. I'm not big into criticizing the rushing the floor thing. For the students, a lot of times it's a fresh look. Like, they haven't won the last couple years. And for them, beating a top 25 team is a big deal. I think beating San Diego State here or ever is a gigantic deal. Again, I think the Rebels, is it. it's 19 of 21 that San Diego State has won. Now, so, I don't think the fans here would rush the floor against a number 22 San Diego State team.
2: Mm.
0: I don't think they would. Um, well, there's a couple reasons. they got to be there. That is one of the primary reasons. But I, I don't think they would. But I don't care, right? I don't care. But not only did the San Diego State fans mock on the Wolfpack fans for doing it, but then Mark, the media guy, was complaining that one um, – he was going to get trampled from behind where he has to sit on the baseline at Lawler. And it's like, move. You know what's going to happen. Move. Then he mentioned something about being bumped by some CBS cameraman. You know what you do? Bump him back.
2: Right. No, you go to Twitter and complain about it. Right.
0: Complain about the stats. Complain about kids standing in front of him.
2: I despise that. The,
0: the I sit on that baseline and basically where he sits, there's cheerleaders in front of you the whole time.
2: Who cares? Right.
0: And the average fan is like, you have a courtside seat? Shut up. Uh, Keep in mind, when I do the games, I'm walking around with a UNLV mic flag. You think every once in a while someone's like, up yours? Right. Yeah. It's part of college basketball. Now, there's a line, but it's it's part of college basketball. When I saw that yesterday, I was like, my uh, God, what are we doing here?
2: I got a middle finger when we were out of Hawaii. Yeah? Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Okay, all right.
0: (laughs) There you go. One of the players from San Diego State on rushing the floor said, oh, big game tonight. We'll get to the big slate tonight. San Diego State is hosting Boise. And Adam Seiko said, when asked, and by the way, it's Ziegler who's asking this because he knows what he's doing. Like, you remember, I, I shouldn't even get into this, but um, he tried to set up Chris Wood to make an inflammatory statement about San Diego State. Oh, I remember. Right? And yeah. he was all fired up and pumped a fist because he got an answer from him this is the kind of stuff he does i'm not saying media somehow you know has an agenda illegitimate i'm not here to bash media it's not fake news it's just stuff that happened but anyway seiko said uh, no we're not storming the court we expect to win here our culture of winning however many championships we have we know what it takes no need for storming just win the game and move on i like it
2: actually i, think I like it be- from the player Do you even take that as a slight? I I feel like that's a good quote. This is a a solid quote. quote. Hey, we have an experience of winning. We expect to win these games and move on.
0: But there's a little bit of, ew. Right. A little bit of digging in there. Um, Give Nevada credit. They split with both of the top teams. They're already done with both of them. They split with Boise and they split with San Diego State.
2: Well, it's also a Nevada team that, like you talked about, like the winning right recently and all that. But it's also a Nevada team that didn't have great expectations coming into the year. Yeah. And this has been a surprising and good quality season for that team. I've kind of come around more. I used to be like, act like you've been there before, right? Yes. But, it, you know, like, for example, when UNLV beat Arizona, right, in the, the one of the, the Chris Wood season. Yep, they rushed yeah. the floor. Number three Arizona comes to Thomas Mack. They beat them. They rushed the floor. And you know what? It's pretty cool. The Top kids. five team. Those ki- and that's the other thing I was going to hit on, I think yeah. you're about to say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cycle of students, right? right, for these. So, like, these are students that are new. Maybe they're just new basketball fans in general. Right, they want to be part of the college atmosphere, so they go to some of these games. They get wrapped up in it. Maybe it's their first college basketball game they've ever been to, and you just get wrapped up in the fact, like, "Hey, we beat a team with a number next to their name. This is fun. Let's do it." We see other teams do it. I'm, I'm more, I'm more pro storming now. Let's take a
0: break here. We got the big slate the Mountain West coming up. We'll do a little more on that in the five o'clock hour. But let's get back to the NFL. Uh, more importantly, the XFL. One of the bosses of the new league, well, the returning league, the XFL. It's a new team for us, the Vegas Vipers, but one of the bosses of the league is going to be up in five minutes. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Get back into some football. XFL and a little bit NFL as well Is uh, back at our studios hopping around the building. Nice enough to come in. Uh, one of the bosses in the XFL, executive VP of football operations, Mark Ross, is up with Cofield and Company. How are you, sir?
1: Outstanding. Great to be in Vegas. So,
0: uh, last time we talked to you, actually, uh, you were guesting as a member of NFL <laughs> Network. So you were doing you were doing TV.
1: So moonlighting. Tell us, yeah, 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 moonlighting, yeah. Moonlighting. Yeah,
0: there you go. Uh, tell us why you made you know you made the change here and you, you want to get back full bore into football with the XFL.
1: Yeah, well, it's just such an exciting time for the XFL and a, with a league that's never you know never succeeded to have a, a spring football league and this the opportunity to join and be a part of something that could be historic and you know, just such a different skill set for me that I had to learn and, and just taking on so much more responsibility but it really all started with the passion of our ownership group Danny Garcia, Dwayne Johnson and Jerry Cardinal, Redbird Capital just you know their enthusiasm, their passion, their commitment to making this thing work was really intoxicating to be a part of our, the rest of our ownership group, our president, Russ Brandon, I'd worked with him with the Bills back from the 04 and 07. And our uh, senior vice president of player personnel, Doug Whaley, I started the same year scouting with him in the NFL back in 1998. So, really, it started with the people and the passion of the people involved with our ownership and executive group. And for me personally, just learning a new skill set and, and just growing and hey, trying to be a part of something historic.
0: What does your job entail?
1: So
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably a lot of stuff. Where do you want to start? Yeah, yeah, how much time we got here. So, you know, initially it was hiring the coaches. That was the main hiring the coaches and all football operations staff. That's that's trainers, that's equipment, that's video, you know, everything that is on the field. It really is how you look at it. That's what football operations does. So, you know, that was the biggest challenge was just staffing everybody everything was from ground floor there was nothing there so we had to hire everybody and that was the major part of it and then hiring the coaches the head coaches first they hired their staffs but you're know, really proud of the coaching staff that we were able to put together starting right here in Vegas with Hall of Famer Rod Woodson and we got Super Bowl MVP Heinz Ward we've got legends like Bob Stoops and Wade Phillips so we're really proud of the coaching staff we put together and you know on the day-to-day now it's just for me, making sure everything just runs, runs smoothly. We're down in Texas. We have our, our practice hub in Texas at four different facilities down there. So, for me, every day is just making sure everything runs smoothly, problem-solving, putting out fires, doing a little bit of everything, making sure things are right.
0: XFL starts up February 18th. The Vipers are on the road on the 18th. they got the home opener at Cashman on February 25th. You go up to XFL.com, you can start – grabbing your tickets now for these games. I mean, this league is is so unique. What you just described, you know, initially is you guys are kind of like the umbrella GM to start things out. From here, how much, say, how much does the league get in terms of players going to certain places and and placement of players and scouting of players, or is it all up to the teams from here on?
1: No, the teams. So uh, just as we had to build the league from scratch, we had to build eight teams from scratch, and each team has their – director of player personnel, and their coach and coaching staff who work together to scout players and put together and draft the team, sign free agents and, and draft. We have our draft here in Vegas, uh, and so they put together eight teams, and now day-to-day, just like the NFL has their waiver wire and there's cuts and trades, and we do the same thing, and it's all run by the teams. We're hands-off with that. We just supervise it. We, we have the structure in place for it all, but the teams all do it on their own, just as NFL teams do.
2: So, Mark, we've seen a lot of these spring football leagues. What makes the XFL different? What is going to give it some staying power in this the time frame of the sports calendar?
1: Yeah, well, we uh, just first of all, starting with the ownership, as I mentioned before, and then just the the staff that we have. We've got so much NFL experience in it involved with the, the president, Russ Brandon, and Doug Whaley, who I mentioned myself, and just others involved that have had so much experience with seeing how things run successfully in the NFL the, the owners, their commitment to it, they're not going to let this. The, everything our owners have touched, all three of them, has been, I won't even say gold or platinum, but titanium, vibranium, whatever you want to say, everything they touch succeeds. So they know how to put a product on the field from all their different specialties that they come from. And then just the, the, the innovations that we have. We have a collaboration with the NFL, with initiatives, player development initiatives, health and safety initiatives, officiating and rules initiatives with the NFL. No other league had had a partnership uh, or collaboration with the NFL. So we have that as well. So uh, on the field product, we feel as if our our season, where we're playing right here, we have a ton of players, 50-plus players who had been on NFL practice squads, over 100-plus who have been in NFL training camps. So the quality of play is going to be there as well. The development of those players is going to be there with our outstanding head coaches. So just all those sort of pillars that we don't think have been done before, and we have all those going right now. And, you know, our cities, we're excited about our cities that we're playing in and the timing of that. So all that really is lending itself to, you know, this thing is going to thrive. But above all else, I mean, just the passion and commitment from top to bottom that everyone has, this thing is going to roll.
2: It's the voice of Mark Ross, Executive Vice President, of Football Operations for the XFL. So I'm I'm really curious, like what's the challenge in striking that balance, right? Because you mentioned the partnerships with the National Football League. I imagine it is a challenge in terms of keeping your league relevant and entertaining, but also wanting to develop these guys and having you know your good players get opportunities to move on from your league, right?
1: Well, we want them to do that. If we, you know, everyone knows Taylor Heineke, Tyler Heineke, and PJ Walkers and stuff, and that they I always mentioned, well, they were in the XFL. Yeah. So if we got 20, 30 of those guys, that's awesome. And if those guys, are staffs, or scouts got to replenish the team, so be it. That's what we want. You know, we want to be the league of innovation of, number one, finding players that are undiscovered and, and overlooked and then developing them to so that they're good enough to be in the NFL where the NFL says, you know what? We're going to look at the XFL as a feeder system for us. We know that they've got a quality product. They've got outstanding players and developmental coaches that we're going to get outstanding players with us. So for us – we 100% want guys to play in the XFL, crush it, get that exposure, and then go to the NFL, and then we'll just stock it up again and start 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 it all over again.
0: XFL.com, find the Vipers, grab your tickets. Game start up here in town on February 25th at Cashman. Openers on February 18th. I wanted to build, and we're talking to Mark Ross, uh, VP of Football Operations with the XFL. I wanted to build on the collaboration point even a little more than, than John did. Uh, Because I was thinking of you guys last night. I was at the East-West Shrine game, you know, and I'm watching a lot of the players, and I'm like, you know, a lot of these guys need these leagues, need the league below the NFL. How is it going to work with the calendar each year when guys are coming out of college? Are you guys basically hands-off on those first-year players? Like, could anyone from the Shrine Bowl actually find their way this soon into the mix with you guys, or are they all going to go through, you know, some sort of NFL process first?
1: Yeah, so of course those guys are want to give it a shot in the NFL. You know, right. maybe if, well, eventually we'll get to the point where there's a decision that players have to make. And look, I, I scouted for twenty plus years. Every player thinks they're going to be a first round pick. <laughs> so and they could be an undrafted guy. Every single one thinks they should be a first round pick. So of course they're going to try the NFL first. We'll be there for them. We're go, we're not going anywhere. We'll be there for them. Maybe year two or in the off season if they don't make it. And our our season is set up for. You guys on the practice squad of the NFL, they can play with us. May, our season is done in May, and show out, like I said, and then they still have time to get ready for the NFL. But right now, colleges, we didn't really want to jump in and touch and try to pursue that. Uh, We wanted to get up and running and establish. If we got a a guy or two, that would have been great, but that hasn't happened. But I think years down the line, once guys kind of see that or agents push them in the right way, we'll see a little bit more of that.
0: By the way, we should also mention the talent evaluators. You know, younger coaches, people who want to get into football. This league also provides that option. The, the support staff too, right? Like the NFL is hard to get into. I mean, you, yeah. you got in coming out of Princeton, but it's it's not an easy process.
1: Yeah, look, when I worked for teams, my assistants they would get hundreds of emails and and letters a day wanting to break in. But yes, it provides players, coaches, business ops, media, every every pillar of a, of an organization we're providing opportunities for. So we're open to that. I mean, we get, we're flooded, you know, our XFL website is flooded with applications and people wanting to get involved. Uh, Just, it's, it's just been amazing. When I, when I first started over a year ago, we had kind of a core of 15 people who were building it out. And then next thing you know, once we started hiring for teams and whatnot, you know, 10 people, 10, 15 people getting hired a day. So it's provided tremendous opportunities throughout all of the different departments of an organization.
0: Mark, we got you for like four more minutes if you, if you got the time, so I want to ask a, a couple of NFL questions. Gigantic story here in Vegas, which is now blowing up nationally. Every time I look up on TV, we're seeing you know, film and highlights of Derek Carr. And uh, Derek <laughs> Carr was in the skills competition yesterday, and he made an interesting comment. Derek has this skill where he says stuff, and I think if you're not paying attention, you might miss it. But he had talked about last night with one of the local news news People, hey, I just want to go somewhere where we're going to win. They're committed to winning. I was like, ooh, okay. Uh, that's interesting. For for Raiders backers, what do you think of Derek Carr and the next stop? I think Mark Davis just wanted to make a change. It was time for everyone to you know break up and, and try something new. But what do you think of Derek Carr, and how much interest will there be in Derek Carr from competitive teams?
1: Well, first of all, Derek Carr handled himself nothing but class at the time he was here right i mean he took he took bullets for everybody here and he he really put him put the team first at every single step of the way so as right now other teams see that and they see the way their car has handled himself and that's going to go a long way with teams regardless of his talent and his skill level now we put that factor into it i think there he still has something left you know it was a little bit of a down year for him this year But a lot of that could be attributed to his, you know, sort of cryptic messaging of, you know, you got to have the right organization. You got to you got to have the right foundation organization. I, I work for two, three outstanding organizations that did things the right way. And you just only have to worry about playing football when you have an organization set up like that. So I think there will be a good demand for Derek because a lot of teams feel like he can still play. He's nothing but class. He's a leader. He's everything you want to be a face of your organization. And let's be honest, you get through the top five or six dudes, there's not a lot of good quarterbacks in the league. So even if Derek Carr is down, you're looking at him compared to a lot of other guys or what's coming out in the draft. He's looking very appealing.
0: What do you think is going to happen with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? I know (laughs) he was injured, but maybe there was something else at work at the end of the season. You know, he's a bit cryptic at times with some tweets. I don't think the Ravens want to give him a super – long term contract people here in Vegas are like hey let's make a trade go get
1: Lamar Jackson is he available yeah that's really i'm still stunned that this whole Lamar Jackson thing is dragged out as long as it has and i think they're committed to him but here's the tricky part he he still does not have an agent so yep. that makes things tough i mean that just keeps getting left that this guy is doing this all on his own with the advice of his mom and maybe some some other people but that's what makes it hard where typically in negotiations, you can sit here, you're the GM, your cap guy and the agent, you're yelling, screaming at each other the next day. You're just, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about it again. Whereas Lamar, you can't really negotiate with him like that because you don't want to get the guy upset. And, you know, what? what's the skill set for doing that? So that I think part of that is why it's been so tricky and why this has taken so long, where Lamar is just looking at it like, yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson got 230. I want that too. Like, There's no negotiation. There's no talking about anything else. But eventually, I, I think it will. The Ravens still hold all the cards almost, but Lamar can say I just don't want to play and not play. You know, I think he was legitimately injured at the end of the season. A lot of people try to make it as if he he wasn't and just didn't want to play. I think he was legitimately injured, but next year, if he doesn't get what he wants, he could not play, and that's where things will get really interesting.
0: Mark Ross is with us, football expert working with the XFL. Last couple of questions on the, the Raiders and you know what they're looking at and the transition. So, Carr and Las Vegas, you know, you agree to break up. You move on sometime. You know, it's time, right? You just have <laughs> yes, to move on. Time, yep. Do you do you have – what are the whispers? Do we have any read on what the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are feeling? I couldn't even get it out. But it's, it's always hard to read these last couple of years. But I wonder where it is right now.
1: Yeah, that, that's always – you talk about cryptic and I mean, that guy. I mean, this daily drama with Aaron Rodgers is talking about him and his situation, and he holds all the cards, too. That contract that they gave him last year, when I thought they should have moved on from him. Look, when you when you need to rip that band-aid off and move on, they had already done that with the Jordan Love when they traded up the draft Jordan Love. Aaron didn't get it done in the NFC Championship game again. Like To me, that was the time, all right, let's move on. And and said our put the Green Bay Packers ahead of Aaron Rodgers. It's it's been the Aaron Rodgers Packers for the past five years and all this drama he's put them through. So he still got that 60 million that he's gonna get, whether he plays for him or doesn't play for him because of the way they structured that contract. And that's what makes it hard for the Packers, is that he still holds all the cards. And he can, if he wants to stay, he'll stay. If he wants to go, he still has that 60. I, I think they's, it's, they just need to just let him go, man. Too much drama, move on as an organization, uh, and, and move forward.
0: XFL.com, get your tickets for the Vegas Vipers. League starts up on February 18th. Uh, all the games are on ESPN. Mark, we appreciate it very much, and we'd love to get you on down the road. Thanks for stopping by. Sure thing. There he is, Mark Ross, working with the league. Coming up, big four at four.